The 10 most important things I've learned about being a great dad, doesn't matter if you're a parent, doesn't matter if you're never gonna have kids, grandchildren, whatever. When at the end, when I show you why this is important to your success, your abundance, your income, your life, you'll be glad that we did this today. And this is why I'm excited to share it with you. Welcome to the Dean Graziosi Show. All success starts right here. Number one, it's all about them and how you make them feel. Now, here's what I know. It is easy as a parent, if you're a parent, you know this. Again, take out parent if you're not a parent. I don't want anybody to get like, oh, I just, I need you here, I need you focused. Don't look at the phone, don't do social media, be here with me. It's all about them and how you make them feel. You know, as a parent, I realize that when my son is going through something or my daughter is going through something, what I want to say is, oh my God, Brody, when I was your age, I had the same exact thing happen to me. It was hard to focus in class. I didn't know what to do. And I would go into a story and I would lose Brody and Brianna, that's my kids' names, I would lose them just like that when I talked about me, when I gave examples. Because what was I doing? I was living in my world. I was giving my experience. They hadn't. They don't have the past I have. They don't have the experiences I have. They don't have the trials, the failures, the wisdom, the knowledge, the information, they don't. And when I make it about me or the circumstance, I lose them. But when I make it about them, when they know that they're being understood, that I hear them, that I'm not uh, being distracted, when I'm focused and I understand how they feel, everything changes. You know, when I, when I look back at the most important moments of being a parent, I could have missed a lot of them. And I probably did because I was focused on what had happened, what was the circumstance, rather than trying to understand how they felt. And I want you to think about that. This is gonna make, mean a lot more uh, here in just a little bit. So let's go to the next one. Two. Enter their world and finishes, finish sentences in their heads. You see, um, we, we tend to, let me back up with my kids. My daughter is in fifth grade, my son is in third. So I know my daughter gets to school and she has science, and then she goes to another class with her friend Ava, who she loves Ava dearly, but sometimes they bicker and they argue. And then when she goes to her next class, she's uh, with her friend, uh, I just said that. <laughs> Ellie, I'm sorry, Ellie. She's with her friend Ellie, and Ellie is her most fun friend. Ellie is the one that makes her laugh so hard, and I know what Ellie does, and I know how she makes her laugh. And then I know the whole day my daughter goes through. Why am I using that as an example? because I'm entering her world. When I sit and talk to her, and I talk about Ellie, when I talk about her friends, when I talk about Ava, when I talk about Mackenzie, I know what's going on. I also know that my daughter used to like little Shopkins, and I used, know she used to like playing with little ponies and horses, and she's evolved, she's 10, she's getting to be a bigger girl now. So when I talk to her, if I talk about that stuff, I'm immediately disconnected from her, immediately. She, I can watch her go blank. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking. If you're like three months off from what's going on in their heads at this time in history, you have no emotional connection. Same with my son. 
he'll he'll be obsessed with baseball until football starts on TV. If I want to go play baseball, he's like, eh, but if I go throw the ball, I know the difference. I know that he liked Legos, then he was out of Legos, he went to NASCAR, now he's back into Legos. I know he likes video games, even though he only gets a half hour a day, I know which one he likes, even though I hate that he's on there, I'll still sit with him and I'll know the characters and I'll know how he plays. Why? Because I want to enter their heads. I want to enter their world. I want to be, I want to finish sentences they have. When I do, I'm congruent. When I do, I feel connected. And when I'm connected, I get to know when they're struggling. I get to know when a friend hurts them. I get to know hopefully someday when someone offers them cigarettes or booze or drugs or even worse things, if I feel connected and I evolve with them, I'll be there every step of the way. If that, if that makes sense. All right, let's go to the next one here. Talk to the point and say what you mean. I love the quote, if I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. I want you to think about that. The world has changed. It just has. Whether you think it's good or bad, I have to always believe that we're evolving for the better. That, because you need a choice. You can believe that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, that our kids aren't going to be safe, our grandchildren are screwed. Does that feel good? How does it feel when you say that? It, me even saying it out loud makes you like, ah. Oh. But if we say, hey, technology is going to bring people together, we're going to accomplish more, we're going to solve more problems, and, and, and I believe in humanity. I believe that we will evolve and do the right thing. We will get more conscious, we'll get more loving, more relationship with God or, or, or your, your soul or be more spiritual. I have to believe that. And when I don't believe that, I have to tell you, I feel bad. When I do believe that, I feel good. But I want to but think about how people not just our kids. I don't care if you're a 75-year-old grandma and you're watching me right now. You go through Facebook, whether it's on your phone or your laptop, and what are you doing? You're scrolling. I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like that. Oh, look at that one. That's a cool picture. And you read it in two seconds and you're done. If you click on a video in today's world, hey, if you click on a video and it takes like eight seconds to download, what do you do? Oh, I'm not waiting for this thing. I mean, it was only a few years ago. Remember AOL dial-up? Right? And now, you know, you, if you wanted to watch a video 15 years ago, 12 years ago, you'd like go to download it and then walk outside and do something else so you can come back in and watch it. Now, if it's five seconds or eight seconds, you're off the page. So what, what does that all have to do with my kids? But soon you'll see it in a much bigger arena is talk to the point and say what you mean. Tension spans have just changed. They have. You can't, I, I watch sometimes I want to give my kids a lesson. No, I want to give them five lessons at once. I mean, that's just, I want, to, I want to download everything I've learned, everything I teach you. I want to give to them so they're just bulletproof. And if I get to the second lesson, they're both like this. And I realized that I was making a big, long ordeal out of this, and I was trying to make this long lesson when really I have to think through, if I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter, and I, want to, I need to just get to the point and say it and let it stick. And if you start going a little further and you start seeing it's like fading, then stop. Give them something, but know that each word, each sentence, everything you share can make an impact. If, if you... you you go by the motto of, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. If I have your concentration for 15 seconds, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, a minute, I'm going to make sure I'm precise and to the point. Okay. Be authentic and enthusiastic. Okay. Um, kids smell. Um, remember, it doesn't matter if you have kids. This is going to be, uh, uh, this is valuable for everybody. Be authentic and enthusiastic. Okay. So, 
here's what I know. If I, my kids have like the sniff test. Like if I'm pretending to be authentic. Let me give you an example. My, my, I come home and my kids uh, want to show me something they did at school. And it's like, Dad, look what I did. If I go, oh, bud, that's really good. And I, and I have my phone in my hand and I go, hey, bud, that, that is really awesome. Hold, hold on, let me look at this. My son will literally at this point close it up and go, all right, and just walk away. Like even if I thought I was sneaking, even if I'm looking and I just glance at my phone because it beeped, I'm not being authentic. I, he, know, he feels I'm not present. I'm not in the moment. Or if I come home and, and I carry, if I carry my past, if I carry what's going on in the world with me in any way possible, and my enthusiasm isn't, that doesn't have to be where mine is and through the roof, but if you're like disinterested, if your enthusiasm is low, if you had all this energy all day for everybody else and not enough when you get home, children, grandchildren, in the future you'll see for whatever, um, Non-authenticity is so easy to feel. And I'd rather be authentic. I've told my kids, listen, I was reading a great book uh, called Love and Logic Parenting. If you're a parent, read it. Also read um, uh, How to Talk to Your Kids So They Listen, How to Listen to Your Kids So They Talk. Two best books, I believe, on parenting that exist. Love and Logic Parenting and How to Talk to Your Kids So They Listen. So when I read those books, I'm so authentic with my kids. I'm like, oh my God, guys. I real, after I read this part, I realized I've been screwing up big time. And this is how I talk to my kids. I've been screwing up big time on how I handle if you don't get your chores done. I've been getting upset. I've been getting personally emotional. I get, sometimes I even get loud. That's not the way it should be. Here's the thing. I do a lot for you guys. This had a good point in the book. I'd love, you're gonna, I'd love to ask you a couple times to do it, just twice, if you don't get it done or it's not on your list and you don't check it off. I'm not gonna get mad, but no, there's consequences. And this book really showed me that, and, and consequences sting. And you have lots of privileges that you think is just your birthright, and it's actually privileges. So some of those privileges will go away, and some of the consequences will hurt. Maybe it's baseball, maybe it's no iPad for a month, whatever it is. And immediately it changed. I was just transparent of what I was reading. And when I was authentic about that, they got it, even at their young age. And when I say it, I say it with authenticity and enthusiasm. Okay, there we go. Next. Tell fun stories with empowering messages wrapped in. So I'm going to tell you a story that, that uh, I really want you to tell you. So um, storytelling is an art, and it is a gift. And it is something that most everybody watching is, is good at it without even realizing it. Did you ever, you know, go to a movie and then tell the story about the movie? Did you ever go to a restaurant and tell the story about the restaurant? Did you ever have an experience? Oh my God, I went camping and this bear came, or I was stuck in traffic and then this thing, and this car accident came and the car flipped over. Storytelling. So here's what I realized. Telling stories gets my kids engaged. So I want to tell you something. We talked about before about tell, you know, enter their minds on how they feel, enter conversations in their heads, talk to the point, say what you mean, be authentic. So wrap all those into storytelling. So a few years ago, a few years ago, um, um, my son goes to school. He's, got the, he's the same as me. I was the smallest kid in my class. So was my son. And I remember what it was like to get picked on. I remember what it was like to get 
you remember, if you're older, there was, a, <laughs> there was a cartoon called Rocky and Bowwinkle. And Rocky had this really high-pitched voice. And kids used to call me Rocky because my voice still hasn't changed. I know I have a high-pitched voice now. You should have heard me when I was young, my son's age. I sounded like Mickey Mouse. So I got picked on. I knew what that was like. So my son comes home. He's smallest kid in class, and he started a new school. So no friends yet. You know what that feels like if you ever move schools. So he comes home, and he tells me about it. And here's what I wanted to say. Oh, dude, here's... I went through the same thing. I was the smallest kid. Here's pictures of me in the same grade. Look how short I was. I got called Rocky, and look at Dad. I've, I, I overcame, I persevered, I make more money than everybody in that class. I do this, I do that, I have, I'm a great dad. That's what I really wanted to say, or that's what seemed to come natural. But that would have been about me. He would have not associated with that. So I want to tell you this. So out of the blue, I ad lib. He said, tell them fun stories with empowering messages wrapped in, right? That's number five. I, I, I make up this story on the whim about tooth, T-O-O-F, right? I don't know, tooth, not tooth, but tooth. The, the one-toothed werewolf. And I just, I started improvising this story. I said, you know, did you ever hear a story about tooth? He's like, what are you talking about? My daughter comes over, and I'm like, tooth, the one-toothed werewolf. I said his mom was human, his dad was werewolf, and this poor kid's got one fang, and he's got patches of hair, he's got one long hair over here, it's short over here, and the kid's like half werewolf, half human. And, he's like, and so it intrigued them, and I just go on this whim. I'm like, you know, he goes to school, he gets made fun of, and everybody picks on him because he looks so bad, and he feels kind of lonely, but then one day, the kid who picked on him the most, I'm telling you the story like you're my kids right now, I said, but the one day, Brody and Bree, I said, the kid that picked on him uh, the most he saw get out of the car with his dad and he realized that that kid's dad was really rough on him and picked on him and yelled at him and pushed him and Tooth immediately realized that's why he picks on me and got empathy. I, I don't know why I get, I can get emotional in this story because I think of my son. Um, and, and Tooth said, you know what? the heck with it and he walks up to the kid and he gives him a hug and the bully like pushes him off and Brody's like, he hugged him? That's weird. I'm like, yeah. He pushes him off and, uh, and he goes, what are you doing? He's like, hey, I know you pick on me, but I just saw what happened to you. You could still pick on me, but I'm sorry your dad treats you that way. And walked away. And then all of a sudden, the bully chased him, and he grabbed him and turned tooth around. And he, they became friends. And then all of a sudden, he became popular with everybody. And he realized it didn't matter how he looked. Tooth had a big heart, and he was destined for greatness. And it doesn't matter if he had patches of hair and one fang. When he just became authentic with himself, when he did it, he realized, and then all of a sudden, Tooth, they realized he could jump really high, and he joined the basketball team, and he was the star of the basketball team, and he didn't matter how big he was, and I go through this story, and I keep going, and then as soon as I'm done, my kid's like, oh my God, what happened to Tooth next? Did he go to next grade? And I made up all these stories. I remember telling stories about Tooth forever. I just kept going, and I, I ran out of stuff to talk about, but they were intrigued, and what it was, it was a message wrapped into the story. So my son got, it doesn't matter how tall you are, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, what matters is in your heart, you're a lion in there. You're a monster in there. You're a fighter in there. Who cares if you're this tall or this tall? But if I would have just told him that or used my experience, it would have went right over his head. He got it. He felt it. And he felt the emotions. So think about that one. Reward good behavior unexpectedly. So here's something I realized with my son that I had done. My son is very busy always got something going on and he's a little stinker sometimes and he just he does all these little things and you know sits back and he'll eat and drop food on himself still at eight years old and I'll say bud just lean over your plate and then he'll 
kick his sister under the table to start trouble. He's just the greatest kid. And I realized a lot of times I was telling him what he did wrong. Hey, bud, sit up. Hey, bud, don't kick your sister. Hey, bud, when you're done with your scooter, please put it away. Hey, bud, hey, bud, hey, bud, hey, bud. And I forgot about all the amazing things he does. He aces school like, like it's nothing. School to him, I mean, he's got a, a Bible verse because he goes to a Christian school. He's got a Bible verse he's got to remember by, um, by the... Uh, uh, end of October. He's got the whole thing memorized now. He plays baseball. He plays first base. He was with kids all bigger than him last year. Has the best batting average on the team. And the team went all the way to the, to the finals. They played in the championship game in Arizona and they lost the last game. Amazing team. All the kids good. My son batted first with the best batting average. And so many other things. He, he has empathy. I can't pass a homeless person anywhere. Driving down the road, I have to make a U-turn. I have to go to a cash machine if I don't have money. And I have to give money to a homeless person. Every time, not sometimes, every time. And what I realized, I spent too much time picking on him and telling him what he did wrong, and I was zapping his confidence. I was. As a dad, I can admit it. Didn't realize it. My daughter is a different personality. I never have to say anything to her. That's just who she is. So what I realized is that if you reward good behavior unexpectedly, you create a connection on a whole other level. And this you know, again, I'm talking about my kids right now, and we'll talk about how this applies to every single person. But think about rewarding good behavior unexpectedly. It's easy to point out what people do wrong. That's just, that's easy. How about pointing out and rewarding what people or your children do right? That's a whole nother level. They know when you care and when you fake it. You know, Hold on one second, Mike. You don't have to put that up. Okay, let's go back one. I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, number seven is they know when you care and then I want to see the next one because um, I want to see what order I put these in. You know, I said this before about uh, being authentic. It kind of goes along those same lines. Um, set time aside. I'm gonna give you a little secret. Do you know what, did you ever hear the term active listening? Active listening. Active listening is when there is no phone going on. There, so say, let's say you have a uh, child, grandchild. You can apply this to anybody in your life. And you want to do 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day of active listening. You want to bond with someone? You want to bond to a whole other level of life? Spend 10 or 20 minutes a day with active listening. And what that means is don't look at your phone once. Don't look at the clock once. Don't ask any questions. Zero judgment. Zero rules. Zero lessons. Just for that 10 or 20 minutes that you're going to be an active listener. And when they share something with you, I'm talking about my children at this moment. My son shares something with me and says, oh, I joined flag football, Dad, and I'm going to play with Scott. Repeat the question. Say, dude. You join flag football and you're going to play with your best friend, Scott, you got on his team? And zip. That's active listening. If he says, yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to punch the quarterback in the face, I'm just making it up. Don't say, oh, dude, that's not sportsmanship. Let me just tell you how to, no, you ruined it. Just for that time. It doesn't mean not be a dad or a disciplinary. At that time, at that time, you're active listening. You want to talk about watching 
kids who are innocent, who aren't as smart as us, don't have the time and, 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 and wisdom we have, instantly know the difference of when you fake it and when it's real. I've faked it a lot and I watch my kids. They're just they're kind of connected compared to being completely connected. And guys, I'm going to get to a bunch of questions at the end. Uh, we're almost through. We're doing 10 of these. Number eight, if we can pull up the screen real quick. Number eight, when problems arise, instead of blame, find the root cause. Okay, so what do I mean by that? I'm going to give you an example here. I'm going to give you two examples. Um, my daughter, um, loves going to school. This is last, last season, maybe two seasons ago. And she's getting ready in the morning and she's just saying, Dad, I don't want to go to school. I'm not in the mood. She's being a little grumpy. I'm not used to it. And she's like, Dad, I don't want to go to school. I'm like, Bree, you're going to school. Come on. Get ready, babe. It's going to be a great day. Spin that frown around. You know, change your state. You're in a bad state. Let's, let's change your state. Tony Robbins, right? Let's change your state. Say yes. No, I don't do that with my kids. But I, I'm like, I'm trying to change your state, trying to make her smile. I'm holding her cheeks up. Like, you get to decide. You can go to school being grumpy. It's like, Dad, I don't want to go to school. I just don't. And I'm like, what's up? I just don't like school. I don't want to go. Now, I want to tell you what my first reaction was. What my first reaction was is to say, I'm just going to be blunt. This is like intuitive. This is like maybe the way I was raised. Get your ass in the shower, get dressed, brush your teeth, eat, you're going to school. That's what I wanted to say. Now, could that work? And is that a parenting style? I'm not gonna judge. That might work just perfect. But here's what I know, is through years of, of trying to be a better human being, through obsessively paying for education, through masterminds, through reading an obsessive amount of books, I stopped myself for a moment. And I said, Bree, what's really up? I said, do you have a problem at school? No, I'm fine. I said, okay. Um, I started digging in. I started naming things. Having trouble in math. Sometimes math is hard for her. No, it's not math. And I started naming friends. Is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? And I got to Olivia. And I watched her face change. It's one of her friends. Or was at the time. And I said, what's up with Olivia? And she said, at lunch... She was really mean to me. It's the first time she didn't want me to sit at her table. I felt really odd, out of place. And my daughter, I have to be honest, she's one of the popular girls. And not, not stupid popular. She doesn't, I hope she doesn't get involved in the drama. We talk about it all the time. She does separate herself. From but she's popular. She's got a lot of friends. And this hit her. And then I got to the root cause. I'm like, I'm about to yell at her to get dressed. It has nothing to do with getting ready. It has nothing to do with school. She felt bad. We've all been there. I got to the root cause of it. I'm like, oh my God, you idiot. You almost blew this moment. And I said to her, hey, how do we spin this? And I'm trying to get her engaged. I'm like, okay, who in class, who at lunch sits by themselves all the time? She's like, I remember the girl's name. It was Daniela. She said, Danielle is kind of new, kind of sits alone. I'm like, okay, how about we do this? If that ever happens again, that poor girl feels the way you feel today, she feels that way every day. So how about any time that happens, or just in general, when you feel that way, you go sit with Danielle and, and lighten her day up. Because you lighten her day up, you're going to brighten your day. I kid you not, like within 24 or 48 hours, Danielle was over our house for a play date. And it just spun it because I, when the problem came up, I dug into where it came from, what was the root cause, rather than just going surface level. Okay, number nine, be the person you want them to be. They feel incongruency. Okay, it's like being at the dinner table, talking about cheating on your taxes, and then yell at your kids for, for cheating on a test in school. If you want them to eat healthy, 
you eat healthy. You want them to exercise, you exercise. You want them to read more books, you read more books. You want them to go to bed earlier, start winding down earlier. Kids become who you are, they don't do what you do. If you don't want your kids to drink a lot of alcohol, don't get drunk in front of them. I'm not being rude, I have cocktails, I love a glass of wine. But I'm just saying, what we don't realize is we say one thing and then we do something completely different. And we're all guilty of it. But be the person you want them to be, they feel incongruency. And then the last one, number 10. You can hold this up. Number 10, be the observer of your own thoughts and how they affect them. I'm gonna tell another story about my daughter, even though I have just as many with my son, but this is the one that comes to mind. So, this is gonna, this is, I really want you to think through this, being the observer of your thoughts. This is observing your thoughts, knowing what they are, knowing what emotions they cause, knowing how sometimes your thoughts take control of you. They put you in a stressful mood, they put you in a happy mood, they put you in a fearful mood, they put you in all these moods you don't realize. We let our thoughts become us. Our thoughts are things. They're not who we are. And when we can separate that, and I'm not perfect at it, but I work on it every day, when I realize there's a line between who I am as a human being and my values and the thoughts that are going on in my head. Can your thoughts lie to you? Absolutely. They lie to us all the time. How many times are you obsessively worried about something that never happened? Most of the time. We think about what could go wrong. We project a new future, a new image, of the, of, and we're stressed about this won't work, the business might not happen, I won't have the money, the relationship will end. All these thoughts and we drive ourselves crazy, the stress goes up, the anxiety goes up and it doesn't happen or it goes in a different direction. When we can become the observer of our thoughts, we go to a whole nother level. I just got, I was on a podcast uh, last week, one of the biggest podcasts, I've been doing these podcasts lately and I love it. Um, Someone asked me if you had the number one thing you could teach anybody young right now or old starting over in business, what would be the number one thing? I mean, there's a million things. Like I've failed a lot on this journey and succeeded a lot, obviously. And I said, it just came out. I said, be the observer of your thoughts. If you think it, what's usually standing between where you are and where you want to go is the story, the thought between. I'm not smart enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have the skills. I don't have the money. It's just the thoughts that wrap in our head. We, we take a past experience and make it our present, which the past is gone. You, that, that's just research and development. Or we project a new future that's ever happened, haven't even happened yet, and that's a thought we have, both of them paralyzed, you make you stressed, worry, anxious, and we stand still. And we don't even know where to go. So being the observer of your thoughts. But let me tell you how it relates to my kids, and to my daughter particularly. So um, we're at the breakfast table, and my son's got this crazy memory, right? So, and my daughter has got the same, um, uh, my daughter's got the same brain I do. She is um, more like, she's gonna be like the visionary inventor and my son would be more like the CEO or COO, chief operating officer. He systems, processes, memorizes everything. She comes up with ideas that blow my mind, right? And that's, both of them are needed. Every, Walt Disney had his brother. Henry Ford had a right-hand man. Everybody, every big business has the visionary and the implementer, right? So I have one of each. So we're sitting at the kitchen table, we're having breakfast, and my son's got these crayons, this box of like 50 crayons, and they're like these really elaborate crayons, and they're cool names like uh, French Vanilla Swirl and Hibiscus, you know, Flower something, like big long names. So my son starts pulling them out, and I go, dude, this one smells, looks good, what is this? And he names it, and he names the next one. And we pulled out like every crayon, and he memorized all their names, and we were like, Oh my God, that's amazing. So he got some praise. So my daughter goes, I could do that. Let me just go study him. I'm like, hey, Bree, 
we all have different unique abilities. That's not mine. I couldn't remember two of them. She's like, no, I can do it. So she goes and she comes in. She misses the second one. And she gets sad about it because I think Brody got all the praise. And um, Anyway, and she says, she says to me, that's because you spend more time with Brody in the mornings than you do me. And man, I immediately replied. I immediately replied, and, and, and it was my thoughts, and it's probably the way I raised. I said, Bree, don't you lie to me or lie to yourself to put you in a bad mood. And she was crying. And, and that, again, my, I, I remember these because it's very rare for my daughter to have the last experience and this one. They were about a year apart. And, and I, remember, I remember just having this gut feeling, don't lie to yourself, don't lie to me. Hold on one second. It's turned off. I want to be able to see your comments. Um, uh, and I said, tuck it in. And I, I dismissed what she was thinking, and I just shut it down, and I thought I did the right thing. She got dressed. First time she ever left without kissing me. She went to school. I'm like, hey, you know what? She's got to step it up. And then she left. And I sat there because I'm trying to get myself in this, this habit of observing my thoughts. And I said, what just happened? And I observed what I was thinking and what I said, and I realized I just told my daughter to ignore her feelings, that her feelings didn't mean anything. I don't care if it was right or wrong. She shouldn't have gotten upset. It's not true. I do spend equal time. But that's what she felt at the moment. And I told her to sh basically shut up, tuck it down, and get your ass to school. Now, if I think forward, if she was married to a man and she came home and she came home from work or he came home and she had something to say and she goes to tell him whether it's right or wrong, if that's the way she felt, if a man said, why don't you shut up, tuck it down and finish making my meal, I'd go over and kick his ass for treating my daughter that way. And I treated Brianna that way and it hit me and I got this flood of emotions that I don't want her to think that she can't let her expression the way she feels if that wasn't true, but it didn't matter. And I, I only caught that because I observed these thoughts. I literally jumped in my car. I drove 100 miles an hour to the school. I got to the school. I, li I literally jumped the little fence. You're supposed to go through the, the principal's office, gave a little tag. I jumped the fence. I walked to her classroom, knocked on the door. I said, Bree, can I, can I get Bree? I took her outside. I got on one knee, and I said, Bree, it doesn't matter what the truth is. I, at breakfast, I... Dis I, I, I dismissed your feelings. I dismissed what, I told you to stop crying. I said, Daddy was completely wrong. I said, your feelings mean something to me and I'm sorry you felt that way. Um, if that's how you feel, then let's work on it together. And I gave her a couple compliments and I said, I'm sorry. She said, I'm sorry. We both smiled, she hugged me. I hugged her, we hugged so tight and I left like dancing. I got in my car, cranked up the music. She went back to class and felt good. Again, I'm telling you that story, it's personal, it's what I did with my daughter, I'm not a perfect dad, I screw up stuff all the time. But that was only because I was obsessing on being the observer of my thoughts. Okay, so you guys have stuck with me talking about me and why I'm such a great dad. And it's like, well, all right, Dean, we stuck with you. Let me tell you why this is important. Because, listen, I was that broke kid. If you, go, you want to go to the slides, I was that broke kid. I did have, did have dyslexia. I barely got out of high school. I did live in a bathroom with my dad. So that's just some story we make up. But today, I've done upwards to a billion dollars in sales with my companies and my brands. I'm a multiple New York Times best-selling author. I got to meet my heroes and I'm friends with the people that I used to admire. I have GeniusX, which is a $100,000 a year group, and OBM, the highest level groups that exist that people pay me to learn and go to the next level. I get to 
train, uh, Millionaire Success Habits is literally turning out to be one of the best selling books of this year. It is a runaway smash hit right now. If you see it, it's everywhere. People are going nuts over five star reviews. Uh, I get to teach and inspire amazing people like you who are on with me right now. And I get to be a good dad, a coach, a role model, uh, which is in my life most important. So why did I share all that? Because here's the deal. It doesn't matter where you are in life. If you want to go to that next level in your job, in your career, in your new business, in your life, in your relationship, where you want to go, you need to understand marketing, persuasion, attraction, sales. Those things are, they're not important. They're the lifeline. They are the oxygen of success. And the same things that allowed me to be a good dad, which I, I'm, it's my obsession to be a good dad. I'm not perfect, but I obsess on it. I read the books. I interview the, the, the people that I know that are the best parents in the world. I interview the heck out of them. But what I know is, and you can go to the slide, Mike, the 10 things that made me a great dad or make me a great dad or the best one I could be are the same 10 things, the most important things I've learned to be a great marketer and to generate upwards to a billion dollars, to have multiple New York Times bestsellers, to have a runaway book right now. I self-published Be a Realist, our Millionaire Success Habits, and it is crushing it. If, listen, it is probably gonna be one of the top selling books of the next 12 months. It's not, it's not just by luck. It's not, I build it and they will come. So many of us have this unfortunate mindset. If we build something great, if we build something great, people will just show up and buy it. If I'm a great person, people will just love me. If I, if I create this new widget or start the new real estate business, if it's a strong enough business, the leads will come. They won't. I'm sorry, the field of dreams that build it and they will come is not true. So the reason I took the time to explain that is now, Mike, you can bring that slide back up. The 10 most important things I've learned about, being a, about marketing or being a great marketer are those same exact things. It's all about them and how you make them feel. Think about that, and you can go off the slide there, Mike. Um, people will love you, listen to you, learn from you, and buy from you when they feel understood, not when they just understand you. When I talked about the story with my kids, I, the reason I told you to stick around is because it's the same in your business. It's the same with your spouse. It's the same with your coworkers. It's the same with your employees. It's the same with your employer or the person above you. It's the same if you're gonna sell online, if you're gonna buy a house, if you're gonna sell a house. It's all the same. People will buy from you, learn from you, sell to you if they feel understood. Number two, enter their worlds and finish their sentences. The, what's going on in their head, right? When you wanna buy, sell, you wanna fix your relationship, meet with your anything you want to sell online create a book get real estate whatever it is you need to enter conversations they already have we all so many times I watch marketers they love their product love their service love what they're doing and they go out and says people just need this people do not buy what they need remember that they buy what they want they take what they want people need to stop start stop eating sugar people need to go to the gym six days a week people need to maybe stop smoking stop drinking but they won't do it until they want to and how do you do this? By entering conversations in their head. Number three, talk to the point, say what you mean. So many people just ramble, ramble, ramble. You wanna to get to the benefits, you wanna to get to how it can affect their life. How can you get this deal? How do we make this happen? How do we fix this relationship? How do we go to the next level? Say what you mean, don't beat around the bush. Four, be enthusiastic and authentic. People respect honesty, transparency. Listen, if I came up here and, and shared this with you today, I was like, so today we're gonna to learn about 
some ways I think I'm a good dad. And I hope that you will find it. You wouldn't listen to me like, oh, I'm bored, I can't date this anymore, right? Find enthusiasm. How do you find enthusiasm? Rob it from the past. Find something you were courageous, you, you conquered, you accomplished when you, were, when you were younger, and just rob the way you felt that day and let the enthusiasm come out at the moment you're on. Tell fun stories. Marketing is storytelling. Tell them fun stories. If you pull that slide up, tell them fun stories with empowering messages wrapped in. You think you can't sell? You think you can't market? Tell a story. That's where people get engaged. If you look at all my videos, I do tell real life stories so you can feel it and be a part of it. Storytelling is marketing. Number six, reward good behavior unexpectedly. This is my eighth year of doing weekly wisdoms. I just send them to my clients unexpectedly. They, you, you, you get my book and you get these three, four minute videos, not this intense training that we're doing, but I've been doing those videos once a week for eight years. I, I, when I find something new, I send it out to my clients. When I discover something, I, I always want to be that person that just one day, oh wow, Dean sent me this, I didn't even ask for it. In life, when you do that to people you work with, you do that to people you buy houses from or sell houses to or a banker or someone who rehabs your houses or if you do it when starting a new company or do it with your spouse or do it with friends or coworkers, you just bring in and say thank you, a letter this week, literally this week, write three handwritten letters to people who've made an impact on your life and just mail it to them and watch how your life exponentially changes this week even if they don't even call you it just does you put it out to the world reward unexpectedly next is they know when you care and they know when you fake it I hope as you watch me here today when I talk with no teleprompter and no script and nobody telling me what to say I hope you know that this is as real as I can be I hope you know when I'm going through things I share it I don't try to cover it when I tell you I fail I don't pretend to be perfect and know it all what I what I do know is that I'm evolving and I'm learning and I pay a lot of money to learn and I share with you what's best. And I hope you know that I'm, I'm not faking it, right? And that's what people need in marketing. Uh, number eight, when problems arrive, inst instead of blame, find the root cause. In your relationships, in your business, if you wanna take your business to the next level, don't blame your clients. Find out what the root cause is if you're not getting deals, if, if you're not selling deals, if your, your refunds are high or, or you, you know, in, in your personal life or the partner you're going you're gonna to work with or the money you want to raise or the capital you want to raise. Find out what the problem is. Find the root cause. Remember the story about Brianna? It wasn't she didn't want to go to school. It was the girl that treated her bad at lunch. When I found it, I fixed it down here. Everything blossomed on the top. Uh, number nine, be the person you want them to be. They feel incongruency. You know, I see people that are overweight and they're schlepping diet stuff online. <laughs> there, there's people that tell you how to do time management who are late to their meetings. There's people who tell you, you know, financial advisors are the best. I have so many people who come to me and go, I want to manage all your money. And I go, Where, where's your money and how much did you make on your money last year? And they're always like, oh, what's that got to do with it? It's like, what do you mean what's got to do with it? If you can't, if you can't make a shit ton of money on your own money, what are you going to do with mine? It's like people who come to us and say, we can rank you on Google. Top of the charts. Somebody Googles real estate, someone Googles success, you could be first. I'm like, well, what's the name of your company? If I Google you, how come you're not in first? Well, um, yeah, be congruent. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna just be the person you want, uh, you want them to be if you're a parent, but also be congruent to your message and what you're selling, and then you don't have to remember it. You don't have to, my grandmother told me the best thing. She goes, when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember it. Um, and number 10, be the observer of your own thoughts and how they affect them. Just let's just say, I think the number one thing 
that you could do to help go to another level is be the observer of your thoughts. If you're stuck, if you're going through a tough time, I'm sorry. If you've been trying to get into real estate or any business and just not getting there yet or going to the next level or you're doing a certain amount of deals and it's hard to find that next level, there's a lot of reasons. I'm not gonna pretend I know it all. I won't sit here and say, just do this magic formula and all will be fine. But I do know this, when I'm stressed, when I feel I can't do it, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel anxious, it's always my thoughts. Always, always, always 100% of the time. We've all already accomplished so much. We've all already conquered fears and worries, uh, maybe death in the family, someone lost, someone you love left or broke a relationship or passed away, a business failed, that you didn't get the promotion. You've already handled so much in your life and you've overcome. And and here's what I know is the, the harder the obstacle to overcome, as hard as it is, you come out stronger on the other side, without a doubt. Um, Winston Churchill had the greatest quote. He said, when you're in hell, your only option is to keep going. Because what happens in so many cases, we're in hell and we freeze and we hope it'll just get better or we go back and we walk deeper into hell. So Winston Churchill said, when in hell, just keep going. And I want to tell you, what can help you keep going is observe those thoughts of yours, realize when they're not they're not good thoughts, um, when they're disempowering thoughts, when they're robbing you of the next level, just see, this, if this is your goal, you know, I always talk about finding your vision and clarity on where you want to go, and you're here, what are the thoughts and the story in between? You clear those out and replace them with empowering thoughts and empowering emotions like courage and confidence and strength and, 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 and discipline or fortitude or whatever word you want to use, when you replace that, all of a sudden, that story, those thoughts, they just get narrower and narrower and you realize they can't stop you anymore. If you like today's podcast, then you're going to love being a part of my texting community. What's that mean? You could text me right now at 480-400-9019 or it should be below right here and it comes directly to my phone. It doesn't go to my team, it comes to me. I've been absolutely loving the interaction. I send out some cool things. About once a week I text nothing but things to get your week going, to get your mind thinking. And when we have new videos and things like that, I always text my community first. It has absolutely been a blast and I'd love for you to do it right now. Text me, 480-400-9019. Do it, text me. Listen, I do these podcasts week after week for you for free to empower you with capabilities to go to the next level, to set the foundation for success. And we're growing so fast. Right now, we're number 22 in the world in the entrepreneur category, and I want more people to gain this knowledge for free. So if you love what we deliver, then share it with a friend. Get this message out to those that need it, especially in today's shifting times.